Philippians 4, sentence 4 to 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of God. Yeah. Thanks for being here with us. I was just saying to Chris, I'm actually nervous about preaching on anxiety. The irony of it all, right? Brilliant. Anyway, I thought I should pray before we begin and uh, pray for my soul and for your, your hearts as we hear God talk to us. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for this morning. I want to thank you that you brought each of us here to speak to us, to address our hearts and minds. Lord, you know us intimately, each and every one of us. You know what we're feeling this morning and thinking. Uh, and you've drawn us here to speak to us as our loving creator. We want to pray, Father, that you would uh, help us to listen, to have hearts and minds that are ready to be taught, to, to listen to our Heavenly Father, whether we know you or whether we don't. We want to pray as we look at this uh, topic of anxiety and worry, uh, that it would be a word that brings peace, your peace. I want to pray for me that you would use me as uh, your servant and I would just really get out of the way and we could just see you this morning. We long to see you, we long for more of you. And so, Father, just show us yourself again. We pray it all in King Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's a low-grade fear, an edginess, a dread, a cold wind that won't stop howling. It's not so much a storm as the certainty that one is coming always coming. Sunny days are just interlude. You can't relax. You can't let your guard down. And all peace is temporary, short term. It's not the sight of a grizzly bear, but the suspicion of one or two or ten of them behind every tree, behind every turn. Inevitable. Just a matter of time before that grizzly bear leaps out of the shadows, bears its fangs, gobbles you up, along with your family, your friends, your bank account, and your pets and your country. There's trouble out there, so you don't sleep well. You don't laugh often, you don't enjoy the sun, you don't whistle while you walk, and when others do, you give them a look, that look, that, that naive look, you may even give them a word. Haven't you read the news and heard the reports and seen the studies? Aeroplanes fall out of the sky, markets go bare, terrorists terrorize, good people turn bad, the other shoe will drop, fine print will be found, misfortune lurks out there, it's just a matter of time. Anxiety is a meteor shower of, a meteor shower of what ifs. What if I don't choose the sale? What if I don't get the bonus? What if we can't afford braces for the kids? What if my kids have crooked teeth? What if crooked teeth keep them from having friends, a career, a spouse? What if they end up homeless and hungry, holding a cardboard side and saying, my parents couldn't afford braces for me? Anxiety is trepidation, a suspicion, an apprehension. Life is a minor key with major concerns, perpetually on the pirate ship, ship's plank. You're part chicken little, part Eeyore. The sky's falling and it's disproportionately falling upon you. Anxiety, fear, 
worry. One in four Australians experience anxiety. Anxiety is the most common mental health condition in Australia. 40% of all Australians at some point in their life will experience a panic attack. Stats I read this week say that in the US, the most anxious... Uh, sorry, sorry, stats in the, I read this week say the US is the most anxious country in the whole world. Stress-related ailments cost the country $300 billion every year in medical bills and lost productivity. While spending uh, on, uh, on anti-anxiety uh, drugs has gone from $900 million to $2.1 billion in 1997 to 2004. One writer uh, commented, how can this be? Our cars are safer, we regulate food and electricity and water and access to, to all those things are better than ever. We're more anxious than ever. It's an epidemic. And whether you suffer from anxiety yourself or whether you get worried from time to time, wherever you fall on that spectrum, we all at some point experience worry and fear and anxiety. And for those of us who are prone to anxious thinking, who, are, who battle it regularly, who are expert worriers like myself, it's horrible. Your anxious thoughts plague you day by day, almost every moment, like a black cloud. They just will not shift over your head. You find yourself laughing less. You see problems in everything. You become more critical and negative about everyone and yourself. You assume bad is just around the corner. You downplay good news. And there are even days where you would just rather stay in bed and hide from that horrible world out there. When one worry goes, your mind finds another one to latch onto very quickly because you've trained yourself to learn how to be an expert warrior. Our inner monologue never stops. We keep talking to ourselves, speaking ourselves anxious words, having anxious thoughts. It's like our minds play out the worst case scenario, play out all the what-ifs, and the feelings then just simply follow. You have that sick feeling in your stomach, your blood pressure rises, uh, your muscles get uh, tense and twitch, you sweat, you're fatigued because your mind is constantly racing and your body is producing adrenaline, so you're constantly in this state of fight or flight all the time. You're just trying to stop your mind from spiraling in that panic. Sleep is hard even even though you feel tired. And the anxious thoughts normally hit when you're laying in bed, there's no one else around, so late at night or early morning, and you're, you're bookended by anxiety. And when it gets hold, it's hard to see a way out. The thoughts come then, will this be my lot for the rest of my days? I can't do this. I can't keep on like this. Then you get anxious about being anxious. And you go in the cycle. And it's lonely, it's isolating. You often feel like no one else battles like you do. No one worries like you do. No one's scared like you are. And you're worried to tell anyone because they think you're just crazy. And it's lonely and it's isolating. And to be honest, it can often make you feel isolated from God. You want to run from Him, not go to Him. You know, this has been my battle. I suffer from anxiety, a mental illness that I have. And everything I've just described has been my experience and I experience this regularly, and it's lonely, it's tiring, and it's hard, and I honestly hate my anxiety so much. I hate it. I regularly feel weak and embarrassed and ashamed that I still battle with it. I haven't beaten it yet. Often on the outside, I look like I've got things together, but on the inside, I'm just a scared little boy, and he finds life really hard. But I know my anxiety doesn't define me. It's not who I am. I'm a child of God who is loved, that battles with worry. And I'm a, I'm a work in progress, and God knows that, and he doesn't love me any less. I'm far from the finished product, and I love that idea that it's okay not to be okay, because God is still at work. 
And it's hard to say, but part of me is actually thankful for my anxiety. I hate that thought. But through this process, I feel like God has really humbled me and driven me to fight hard, to rely on Him, to run to Him, to just go to Him for comfort, and to dig into His Word more, to understand what who He is and who I am in light of His, in light of his truth. And I'm going to keep fighting in His strength. But I wonder with so many of us uh, who battle with worry and fear and anxiety, what makes you worry? What is it for you? What is it? Change maybe, new circumstances, new situations, not knowing what it will be like, how it will turn out, will people like me? Fear of the future, right? Will I have enough money? Can I provide for my family? Will I have a good job? Can I afford a house? Will I get married? Will I have kids? Will I be a good parent? Will my kids follow Jesus? Will I get sick? What happens if they do? Will someone die that I know? Will I die? Will I get better? Will I beat this addiction? Can I, will I prove myself? Will I be a someone one day? There are so many things to be scared of. So many things to be worried about. We have technology at our fingertips now. 24-7. You try and read anything on that news. It's all the bad things that are happening that were going to happen to you. You jump to social media. You start comparing yourself to others. What they have and what you don't have. And it feeds into this worry and this anxiety. So what do you do? What do you do? You know, God does not want us or want you to lead a life of perpetual anxiety, fear, and worry. It's not his desire that you face every day with fear and trepidation. That's not what he wants. He has made us for more than a life of breath-stealing angst and mind-splitting worry. You know, in the Bible, over 300 times, God will use the phrase, uses the phrase, do not worry, do not fear, do not be, uh, do not be anxious. Or do not be afraid. Over 300 times, he's in this thing of, don't, don't, don't be afraid. He knows what we are like. He knows what we are prone to as humans. He knows what we think and feel. But what's his solution? What does he say? Well, today I want to try and unpack this for you. I'm going to try and point you to God's word and see what he has to say to you. It's specifically found in Philippians 4, 4 9 that Jez just read for us. I've got three points here to help you to navigate where we're going to go to. And I think these are sort of God's three big helps when it comes to our war on worry. Rejoice, ask and leave, and think. Rejoice, ask and leave, and think. So this is going to help us to journey on making war and worry. And it is a journey, it is a battle, it's a fight every day. Let's begin with, with, with rejoice. I'm going to look at Philippians 4, 4 to 5. Before, before we do that, I just want to say, this week I've, I've studied this passage, and I want to say how amazing God's Word is, that as I've looked at it, there is so much truth in just seven sentences. So many amazing truths about God and our anxiety. You know, probably some of the best psychology that I've heard is found in the Bible. And I want to encourage you to keep on reading the Bible, to dig in and to, to listen to what God is saying to you as you read the Bible, because there's so many amazing truths that our Creator has to say to us in His Word. I want to try and show you these right now. Have a look at Philippians 4, 4 to 5 on the screen with me. It says this. This is what Paul's saying. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Uh, before uh, I got married, I was, oh, Katie and I were dating, and we made uh, Philippians 4, uh, 4 to 6 and 7. Our memory verse, we remember together, and we'd Trying to remember, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and so on. We thought this, this phrase, this, this, this memory verse will help us from being worried. 
I think it's true, but I think we missed the first half of it. And this is the first half. I want to show you how uh, the first half or first few sentences of Philippians 4 speak in to our worry and our fear. They missed the call. We missed the call to rejoice. To make war on worry, we need to rejoice. That's what Paul's saying. To make war on worry, we need to rejoice. What, is it, what does Paul mean and, and, and how often? He, he says always. We had to rejoice always, he says. Now, before you think that's weird, let me just remind you of who this author, who the Apostle Paul was, and his experience of this world. What was it like? So the Apostle Paul, when he wrote this letter, he would most likely have been in his 60s. He most likely would have been in jail at the time, under house arrest, with no hope of getting out. His life to this point would have been uh, 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 um, persecuted for being a follower of Jesus, almost killed, beaten many times, hunted down, threatened, betrayed, lonely, deserted, poor, no money, no house, no future. In the world's eyes, a nothing, absolute nothing. And now he's in jail. To top it off, he's in jail with no hope of getting out. Now, if anyone had a right to be anxious, it was this man. Or worried, it's this guy. And he's the one who is calling us to praise God. Rejoice in the Lord always, he says. And he says it twice. He's not just mucking around. He's saying it's, it's twice. He's saying, I want you to get this. He wants us to rejoice in the Lord continually. It's his prescription for worry. What does it mean? What is he meaning by rejoice in the Lord? How can anyone maintain an uninterrupted spirit of rejoicing? Well, here's what I think he's saying. I'll put it on the screen for you so you really get this. This is a call from God, not a feeling, but a call from God. It's important to understand that. It's a decision and a deeply rooted confidence that God exists, that he is in control, and that he is good. It's a decision, not a feeling. It's a decision and a deeply rooted confidence that God exists, that he is in control, and that he is good. It's a celebrating of that. So we first, we looked at prayer in week one, when praying the Lord's Prayer. It's got to start with God. And, so with, uh, and with all things, it starts with God. So when our, we come to worry and anxiety, it has to start with Him. It's got to start with God and who He is. Remembering His power, His control, His character, and His, in, and His goodness. And when you put all these things together of who God is, He's the King who's in control, who rules over all things, including your circumstances, and He's your good Heavenly Father, who's shown his love for you in giving you Christ. That's how good he is. And when we decide to believe this of God, and when you choose to believe this, it will speak into your worry and anxiety. And it's a choice we face every day to decide whether to believe this or not. To believe your fear or your Heavenly Father. It's a choice we face. To rejoice or not. Fear and worry tell us bad is coming, you're in trouble, Worst possible scenario is just around the corner, you're a prophet of doom. God says, I'm your king who loves you and I'm in control. Will you trust me? Will you trust me? I have a plan and nothing will thwart my plan for your life. And I'm your good heavenly father. I am with you. I am with you. This is what we can rejoice over in God and his character. Who he is and then his person that is near. Just last week, we went um, uh, camping down south to Ulladale to a place called Lake Tabari, which was really nice. The water was, was so clear and beautiful. The beaches were great. The weather was fantastic. It was such a nice time away. The water was so clear, you could see the fish everywhere. You could snorkel. Um, uh, there were stingrays there you want to avoid, but Katie slipped on one, but that's, that's fine. Um, but it was amazing. 
And there was so these two beaches that sort of uh, were on uh, near the campsite, and they came to a head, and there was a little island that you could walk around. And part of the island you could walk around was this sort of high, sort of uh, rock ledge, about three meters high. You could jump off it into the water, which was super clear. And you looked down, you could see some rocks underneath you, but you didn't know how deep it was. But once you got in, it was, it was, it was really deep. Couldn't touch the bottom at all. The people were staying with, with some friends, and uh, the dad and the eldest daughter went and jumped off the rock wall and had a great time swimming in the water. And so I said to my son, who's, who often can struggle with a little bit of fear and worry sometimes, I said, let's go and jump off the rocks together. He's like, nah, nah. I'm like, that's going to be great, they're doing it, we should do it too. So he's a little apprehensive, but we got there and he was keen. So we went to the wall and we got to the edge. He looks down, he goes, I'm not doing that. I can't see what's down there and the rocks are too close and if I jump in there, I might hurt myself. And, um, and uh, we could see some fish swimming around as well and he had a big fear of once he got in the water, what would happen to him? Would he land on the rocks? Would, uh, would a shark get him? Or, and he was sticking through this. And so I said to him, okay, how about I go first? I'll jump in the water. And then when you jump in, I'll get you, and you can clung on my back, and I'll swim to the edge for you, and we go to the edge together. He's like, great. So I jumped in the water, and it was fine. Then he jumped in straight away afterwards. Once he got in, he swam to You could see him panicking, but he swam to me as fast as he could, got on my back, and I swam to the edge, and we got out together. But what made him jump? Well, the fact that I was with him in the water, and I was there to cling onto, and he knew that I would not leave him or let him go, he knew I was strong enough to get him to the edge. He knew I was a strong swimmer. And he, once on my back, we could swim to get to the edge to safety. That gave him the confidence to jump. Now Paul says to rejoice in the Lord. We can rejoice because of who God is and that he is with us. The Lord, the King, your Heavenly Father is at hand. You know, when, it, when Jesus comes, he calls himself Emmanuel, God with us. When Jesus dies and rises again, he says, I'm going to send God the Holy Spirit to be with you. And so that you are never alone. The book of Hebrews promises that uh, God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. If you're a follower of Jesus, God says, I am with you. You are never alone. The Lord is at hand, it says. He is with you whether you feel it or not. There is never a moment in life where God is not with you. There is never a moment in life that you will face alone. You know, I said the Bible says over 300 times, do not fear. God says, do not be afraid. But do you know what? After that, you know what God says, don't be afraid? Almost every time, he says, because I am with you. Almost every time he says it, he says, because I am with you. I want to show you one example of this in the book of Joshua. Joshua 1, 8 and 9. Joshua was called on by God to lead Israel, this rebellious people. And what does God say to him? God says to Joshua, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid do not be discouraged. Why? For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection and him giving us to God the Holy Spirit, we can be strong and courageous. Not afraid, because the Lord our God will go with us wherever we go. And there is, there is nowhere we can go or no situation we won't face, but God will not be with us. The Lord is at hand. And we can rejoice over that. The war against worry begins by choosing to rejoice in the Lord and who He is. But secondly, we had to ask and leave. Ask and leave. Let me show you Philippians 4, 6 or 7, which is this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul says here a pretty phenomenal phrase. He says, do not be anxious about what? About anything. About anything. That's a huge call. But instead, he says, rather than being anxious, he says the opposite is to pray. It's to pray. One author described this as, it's prayer, not despair. It's catchy, isn't it? Prayer, not despair. The opposite action of anxious and worried thoughts is prayer. We need to act on our belief of God's character to come to him. And Paul is saying the way to wage war against worry is by praying. And Paul here in sentence 8 invites us three times to pray, to come to God, to talk to him. He says, by prayer, by supplication, and by request. Three times he's urging us to do this. And these words are similar, but not identical. Prayer is this idea of a general devotion, of, of, uh, which includes worship and uh, adoration. Supplication means this, this idea of humility, coming before God in, 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 as, a, as a humble person. We are the supplicants in the sense that we make no demands, we simply offer humble requests. And requesting is exactly that. We're telling God what we want. We ask. God is saying here through Paul, you ask, ask me. Ask me what you need. Tell me what you need. Rather than worrying and being fearful, take up what is ours in Christ as a child of God and talk to your dad about what you need. It's prayer, not despair. To wage war against worry is to pray and let your request be made known to God. Another great passage which speaks on this is, is 1 Peter 5, 7. I want to read it for you. It says this on the screen. It says, this is God saying this, right? Cast all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. It's so simple, isn't it? Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. I think the first part of asking, the first part of praying is firstly asking, but then once you've asked, it's this idea of then, then leaving, leaving it with God. Think of what this idea of casting means. Casting is this idea of throwing. When you cast something, it's an intentional act of relocation of this object. So you're throwing it off. So when God calls you to pray about a worry or a fear, he's saying, throw it onto me. Throw it to me. I can deal with it. I want it. Cast it onto me. It's intentional and specific because he cares for you. Leave it with him. He can deal with it. I have a, um, a love-hate relationship with my mobile phone. Uh, I am on it regularly. Uh, I use it every day, texting, calling, Facebook, emails, checking Fox Sports for sports scores, uh, which I enjoy. But uh, I use it a lot throughout the day. And in one sense, it makes life very convenient. It allows me to be in contact with people quickly to get things done uh, when I'm out and about. And it lets me to know what's going on in the sports world. But another part of me hates my phone, that I'm so tied to it. Um, and I, you know, I see everyone around. So you know, as soon as uh, someone gets on the bus or someone's at the bus stop or any, any you know, window of 10 seconds anyone gets, phone comes out and starts searching or scrolling, whatever it is. And I don't want to be so disengaged with the world around me that I'm always on my phone. And so I hate that I'm so tied to it. I try not to be that person. So in saying this, I don't really look after my phone very well at all. Um, and so much so that while I was away on holidays, it broke, which was actually great. I didn't have to use it. And uh, no phone for a week, and it was so refreshing. But being back in Sydney, I needed a phone again. Now, I have no idea how to fix a phone. 
I have no idea at all um, uh, how to fix it. And so um, I needed to take it to someone who was a specialist phone repairer to diagnose a problem and then fix it. So I did earlier this week, went down to Balmain and uh, dropped it into the, to the mobile phone shop and said, can you fix it? And they said, okay, leave it here for a week, uh, sorry, a week, a day, and um, uh, we'll fix it. So I left it there and they said, come back tomorrow and, um, and uh, I'm sure it'll be fixed by then. Now imagine after dropping my phone off to the repairers, I returned 30 minutes later and started giving the repair advice on how to fix the phone. And sitting beside them and saying, try that, try this, try this, and trying to tell them how to do their job. Even though I have no idea how to fix my phone or no idea, any skills in, in fixing what it, uh, diagnose the problem with my phone at all. It'd be silly. I've entrusted my phone to a repairer who can actually deal with the problem. How often do we cast our anxieties or worries onto God and then keep on worrying about them? Or continue to try and work out ways that we can fix the problem? even though we have no strength to be able to do that. I think the problem is we often forget who we're praying to. Or we don't fully cast our anxieties onto him. We sort of half pass them and pull them back again. Like it's still mine. We try and deal with it ourselves. And we worry over it more and more and more, thinking that our worry will make them feel, make him better. We forget who we're talking to. We forget his power and his control and his goodness and his care. And he calls us to cast our anxieties onto him because he cares for us. He calls us to ask and leave. Ask and leave. Leave your anxieties with me. I've got it. I can do something about it. I'm more powerful than you. I can deal with it. That's what God calls us to do. Ask and leave. And the final part of this is, and he calls us to do it with thanksgiving. Just leave your worries with God with thanksgiving. Think, I think God's anxiety therapy also includes the large help of gratitude. I think thankfulness brings us back into the now. Anxiety and fear and worry cast us into the unknown future that we have no control over. What will happen? What might happen? What's going to happen in the future? And we predict the worst case scenario. Thankfulness brings us back into the reality of now, what we have, what we've been given. And be thankful for the blessings we received in Christ. I think it's hard to be both thankful and worried at the same time. Worry refuses to share the heart with gratitude. Heartfelt gratitude will suck the oxygen out of worry. I think as we ask and leave and are thankful, the result is sentence seven, which says this, and the peace of God, which trends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. As you ask and pray and, and leave and are thankful, a peace that God gives comes your way. And this, as an anxious person, is what I absolutely long for. This is gold for me. Peace. Peace for my anxious mind. Peace for my anxious heart. Peace from that sick feeling in my stomach. Peace is what I long for. Peace that calms. This is what God offers when we ask and leave with thanksgiving. So I want to say, take God up on this. God is offering this to you because he cares for you. He invites you to speak to him. He invites you to remind him of this promise. You might say this, Lord, in Psalm 23, you say that you are my shepherd. Lord, you say that you will lead me to the valley. Lord, you say that you will guide me and, be, and refresh my soul. So, Father, please do what you promised. You might say, Lord, in Hebrews 13, 5, you have said that you will never leave me nor forsake me. Father, I want to pray that you are, you are here now. I want to know that. I want to experience your presence. I want to feel your comfort. So, Lord, do as you say. 
You're praying to God his promises. You're praying to God what he said he's going to do for you. You're reminding him of that. So find a promise that fits your problem and build your prayers around it. That's what God calls you to do. He invites us to come to him, to talk to him, to bring our requests to him. And knowing that he will listen, he loves and he cares. The amazing thing is you can be assured that God hears your prayers and he delights to hear from you. He loves to hear his children's voice. He loves to hear his children's voice. So come to him, ask and leave with thankfulness. And this is the path to peace. This is the path to peace. Path to peace. And this is how he waged war against worry. So we've got rejoice, we've got ask and leave, and the final one is think. This is the last part of Philippians. I want to show you this. Sentence 8 says this. Finally, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is any worthy of praise, think about these things. God wants us to think about what we think about. Here we get this last piece of wisdom on how to wage war on worry. And Paul calls us to fill our minds, our minds, not our feelings, but our minds, on what, on what is true. And the truth that has been shown to us. We hear uh, earlier on in John, uh, in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. We can fix our minds on the truth of Jesus, the truth of the Gospel, the truth of heaven is our home, the truth of that we are children of God, the truth of any of those things. They are truths that are sure and objective and solid. We can fix our minds on those things. We're to fill our minds with what is honorable, what is just, pure, lovely, commendable, what are worthy of praise, things that are enjoyable, to fill our minds on those things. Paul calls us to think on these things and meditate them on, uh, on throughout our day. One author says, you can be the air traffic controller of your mental airport. You occupy the control tower. You can direct the mental traffic of your world. I'm sure you know this, but your feelings follow your thoughts. Your feelings follow your thoughts. What you set your mind on, what you dwell on, what you talk yourself about will affect how you feel. You, can always change how you, you can't always change how you feel, but you can change what you think on. This takes a discipline, though. If you're a world-class warrior like me, what thoughts, uh, what, on what thoughts run through your head? Have you ever stopped and actually stopped and thought, hang on, what am I thinking about? Why am I thinking that way for? What do you say to yourself? What, what, what are your beliefs? And how quickly have you noticed how you catastrophize? I'm really good at this. I'll show you. I could be sitting down, right, at my table walking to the sermon. I can feel a twitch in my leg. What runs through my head? This runs through my head. I have motor urine disease. My kids will have no day because I'm going to die soon. I can picture them crying at my funeral all in 10 seconds. Bam! It's my anxious thoughts. It's what my anxiety loves to do to me. And it's what I think upon, which then I get this anxiety then that spirals for me. I'm a world-class warrior. But I've learned I need to control what I think on. And it starts with my mind. And what God says to me in Philippians 4, what it says to us, Think on what is true, honorable, just, pure, love, and commendable, excellence. Think on these things. In Colossians 3, 2, he says, set your mind on things above. In 2 Corinthians 10, 5, he says, take every thought captive for Christ. In Romans 12, 2, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We are not slaves to how we feel. 
We are not slaves to our feelings. It starts up here, what we think on. And here God is telling us, if we want to wage war and worry, we've got to control our minds and what we think on. And we can choose what you think about. Thoughts circle above all the time. Certain stimulus affect our thoughts, but they, they circle above us. And what thoughts land, we've given permission to. And what thoughts go, we've allowed to go. We select our thought patterns. So what runs through your mind? Thoughts of guilt and shame? Do you beat yourself up? Assume the worst? Predict the worst? Thoughts have consequences. Satan wants us to think the worst and believe the worst. He wants us to think there is no hope. No one will ever love me. It's all over for me. That would definitely happen. Everyone hates me. His craft is deception. And he wants us to believe his lies, not truth. But God's truth is this. There is no problem that is unsolvable with God. No life is irredeemable. No one's circumstances are still beyond doubt. And no one is unlovable or unloved. We need to guard our thoughts and trust our Heavenly Father. And that's how we wage war on worry. So we're to rejoice. Rejoice in God, who He is, His existence, His control, His goodness, and that you're a child of the King. We're to ask and leave with thankful, thankful hearts. Ask Him, request, thanksgiving, and then leave it to Him, and the peace will be yours. We're to think on what is true, honorable, just, pure. Feelings follow thoughts. I want to say, give this a go. Give it a shot. We all get worried. We all get anxious. Some of us are better at this than others. Go back and read Philippians 4 for yourself again. I have a couple of great books I could recommend that I've, that I've read on this topic that I've thought a lot about and lived out. But give this a go. And if you want to chat more, I'd love to talk more. This is my world, and I'd love to share with you what God has taught me. If you want prayer, I'd love to pray for you. On these feedback slips, write down, I'd love to pray for you and how you're going with this. But I want to say, give it a go. Give this a go. But to finish, I want to pray for us now. And I want to pray for those, specifically of those of us who are struggling with anxiety and worry. I'm not going to ask you to stand up and be like that. That's our greatest fear as anxious people. We're not going to do that. I'm going to pray for over you guys, for those who are struggling. You know who you are. I'm going to ask the one who cares that he would help us, that we would rejoice, would ask and leave and he would think. So let's talk to our God now. Father, you know each of us. love the promise that you have numbered even the very hairs on our head. Many of us feel alone and like we battle alone and we struggle alone with our worries and our fears and our anxieties and we're plagued by them. We've taught ourselves how to think anxious thoughts. We're good at it. And you know that. Father, I want to pray for your intervention in many of our lives. I want to pray that today would just be the start of trying to change patterns, of us running to you, of us changing how we think about you and ourselves. Lord, I want to pray that we would rejoice. You remind us of all that we have in you. And it would start with you, knowing that you are good, that you are, you are real, that you are not distant, that you are not absent, you are, that, you are, uh, that you care about how we're feeling. I want to thank you that, you that we are your children and like a loving dad loves his children, you love us more than that. And so we would run to you 
as a good father. And we'd be comforted by your care and your presence, knowing that you are near. Lord, we want to pray that you people of prayer, that we would ask, even though sometimes we don't know how to articulate what we're even feeling, we can just simply cry help, and you'll be there to hear. Thank you that you call us to request, to, to, to come humbly before you, knowing that you listen, and we, know, we love that you would never turn us away, that you'll never not answer. Thank you, you call us to cast all our anxieties on you. And you are big enough and you are strong enough to deal with it. And help us be people who model this, who run to you, that our first thought is not fear, but our first thought is prayer. Help us to be prayerful, not full of despair. And Lord, help us to think. Well, this is so hard. We, we fill our minds with so much rubbish often. We run to things for comfort that are just not helpful. Help us to, to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That we would think on, think on things that are true, that are honorable, that are pure, that are just, that are lovely. We know that our feelings follow our thoughts. And so we want to ask that you help us to discipline our mind to think on beautiful things of you and of this world and of your creation. Lord, give us strength to do this. And for those of us who are really battling at the moment, Lord, give us a peace. I want to pray for people who are really struggling at the moment. I know there are some of us here today that are feeling this way. Lord, be close to us. Help us to see that it's okay not to be okay. That our identity is not linked with our anxiety, but it's linked with you and what you think of us. Lord, thank you for your word, and thank you for your love, and thank you for your care. Thank you for Jesus. And it's him that we pray. Amen.